Father God, we give you thanks for this day that you have made. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning, for your steadfast love that continues to sustain us and, and comfort us and, and strengthen us uh, through your Son, Jesus Christ, and for your word that is true food for us. So, Lord, would you open our hearts now um, to receive your word, and, Lord, that you would build up your church now by your word and spirit. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so um, last week we finished off uh, the attributes of God, finished off looking at, at the sovereignty of God. Now I think we're in um, session 19, and we are going to start the next couple of weeks looking at the Trinity. Now obviously this is a hugely important topic um, we could say it's the crown jewel of Christian theology. Yeah, and also we, we must, uh, how's it, Dylan? Um, we must also affirm here that the, the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, this is not a uniquely Protestant doctrine. It is a, a part of the ecumenical faith. In, in, in other words, as Protestants, we, we share the, the the doctrine of the Trinity that Rome and uh, the uh, Eastern Orthodox churches, all the three main branches of the Christian church, of the church Catholic, affirm the same doctrine of the Trinity that we are going to spend the next couple of weeks on. And the, the other reason why the Trinity is so central in Christian theology is that it it sets us apart, really, from anything else. It reveals the uniqueness of Christianity, setting us apart from um, other faiths, from heresies, from cults. Um, and it is this mystery of our faith that our God is Trinity. Our God is, is one. How's the storm? Uh, our God is one in three persons. And the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, chapter 2, paragraph 3, um, define or uh, states the Trinity like this. It says, In the unity of the Godhead, there be, there be three persons of one substance, power, and eternity God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Spirit eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll be unpacking this. And um, yes, sorry, Ellen. Oh, <laughs> is this your pen knife as well? Okay, in case you have a Magaba moment there. Okay. Oh, okay, so the next couple of weeks we'll, we'll be unpacking um, exactly the ins and outs, what we mean by all this, but um, this session is more of an introductory session, um, so let's get into it. Okay, well, first of all, we've got to say that the, the doctrine of the Trinity is, has to be one of the most misunderstood doctrines inside and outside Christianity. Hey, um, Muslims and Jews 
believe, or they're convinced that we worship three different gods. Um, various cults and, and sects claim that the, the Trinity is unbiblical. Think of the Jehovah Witnesses and, and the Mormons. Um, and they uh, will back that up. These are usually Christian cults claim, well, Christian inverted cults. Um, they will back their claim up by um, saying, you know, I'm sure you've heard it from every Jehovah Witness who knocked on your gate. One of the first things they typically say to you is, did you know that the word Trinity is not mentioned in your Bible? And it's their gotcha question. Okay. Um, so, and then even within the church, within Bible-believing Christians, we have got a tendency to make things more complicated than they are and confuse ourselves with analogies of the Trinity, whether it's uh, the uh, cloverleaf, three-leaf clover, um, the uh, water, ice, and and steam. Um, Anytime you try and reduce the Trinity to any analogy like that, you invariably, the result is invariably heresy. (laughs) Because this is the point, is that the the Trinity in its fullness is actually, well, it's a mystery. We can't, we can, we can conceive how God has revealed himself in so much as he has revealed himself in scripture. But it's, it's, it's not that we can rationalize it and make sense of it. The moment we start to rationalize the, the mystery of the Trinity is when we invariably get into some sort of heresy. So we have got to be content to accept God's revelation of himself as he has revealed himself in Scripture. So, because the reality is that scripture does not resolve the tensions. Welcome, Reese family. Scripture does not resolve the tensions that exist between God being one and God existing eternally as three persons. Those truths are just presented (laughs) as truths in scripture. And so we've got to come to some sort of acceptance that um, the creation is never going to be fully able to perceive the creator beyond what he has revealed to us. So any questions at this point? Okay, well, let's get into it. Now, the glory of the Trinity which sets our God apart from all other religions understanding of the divine is that it reveals to us that God is relational in his essence. He is content in the love within himself as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he loves us from this overflow of love within himself. Now, You've got a contrast with those um, who believe in a, in a strictly singular God, like you know, Islam and Judaism, where this is impossible, actually. Okay? Because God in, in those systems is, is cold and, and, and distant. 
as a singular, um, strictly singular God. But in the Trinity, God has revealed his love for his people. And specifically how God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit reveals his love for his people is through a covenant that was made between the persons of the Godhead in eternity. Yeah, we call this the, 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 the covenant of redemption, which is taught in Scripture in place like Ephesians 1, um, amongst others, where we see the Scripture revealing to us is that before the creation of the world, the Father chose a people for salvation. He chose his elect. He, he predestined a people. He chose his church unconditionally. As we looked at last week with God's sovereignty, it wasn't because there was anything special in us. There wasn't, we didn't merit anything. Okay, because he chose his church, he chose his elect before, as Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, before the creation of the world. And then he covenanted with the Son to redeem that people. And so in the fullness of time, the Father sent Christ to earth to accomplish that redemption by dying on the cross by, uh, for the sins of his people, um, by living a, a perfect life in obedience to the law of God and purchasing our salvation in time. And then the Father and the Son covenanted with the Spirit to apply the benefits of this redemption to his people so that's why the Spirit then seals the benefits of our salvation to us in Christ. And so he keeps us to the end and he ensures that we persevere in our faith. And that as if Philippians 1, 6 says, he, he, will, he will finish what he started in us. He will um, raise us in glory. Welcome, Varushka. Okay, so any questions there regarding specifically this very important covenant of redemption, the covenant that is made amongst the persons of the Trinity before the creation of the world? This is the, the foundation of our salvation, the foundation of the covenant of grace. Yeah, well, it's, it's the Spirit who calls us, who raises us from death to life, who regenerates us, who causes us to place our faith in Christ, who is the Spirit of adoption, who, um, so that we can call out to our Father, Abba Father, um, who uh, sanctifies us, who then will ensure that we are glorified in Christ. So he's the one that, that all these benefits of our salvation, the Knowing Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, our adoption, sanctification, it's the, that's the work of the, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to ensure that we don't fall away. We can't fall away if we are in Christ. He, because the Spirit doesn't cause us to be unborn again. I mean, if we're born again, we, <laughs> we're in Christ. And he will ensure that we, we, um, we get to the end. Alex. 
Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now let's look at some history here in order to help us understand the Trinity. So the the big criticism that um, the cults and the false religions uh, bring against the doctrine of the Trinity is that they say no, it was a later invention. To Christianity, that it wasn't the the teaching of the Trinity is not found in the early church and in the New Testament, but rather it was developed as a result of uh, Greek and pagan concepts. And so they say, and this is especially the Jehovah's Witnesses, big on this, they will say that no, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, and therefore um, the Church Catholic, you know, which we believe. Um, we see when I talk about the Church Catholic, it means the Universal Church, not the Roman Catholic Church necessarily. Um, so they believe that the whole, the true Church, has departed from um, true Christianity. So this is what Muslims have also argued from the time of the Muhammad. Of Muhammad. Now, if you have uh, had the chance to read the Quran. Anyone out of interest read cover to cover the Quran? Yeah, I did a elective at Westminster Seminary on Islam, and for my sins, I had to read through the Quran cover to cover. Um, look, it's it's heavy going, it's tedious. Um, but if you ask, if you would ask me how I would summarize it, it's essentially an apologetic against the Trinity. From cover to cover, it's, it's, it's communicated, it's saying, its main argument is that the Christians, in brackets, and the Jews, all a bunch of heretics, they've departed from the true faith. And specifically, the, the big thing that is attacked is, the, is the, the Trinity, doctrine of the Trinity, over and over again, ad nauseum. Yeah, so the Muslims you know, are really um, set against the Trinity so are modern-day Jews. Okay, we must understand, modern-day Judaism, the Trinity is anathema to, to Orthodox Judaism. Um, they see it as a pagan concept. I mean, Judaism has a, has a strictly monotheistic, okay, the creed of Judaism, Deuteronomy 6 verse, verse 4, Hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. For them, it's well. That's it's a slam dunk. Okay, you could say that there are there are supposedly two other gods from uh, yeah. The, the they say is is the main god. Well, that's that's paganism one hundred and one. Um, and then the other guys who have found great difficulty with the Trinity have been uh, the, the Gnostics. It was an early Heresy in, in, in the early church. Um, you may have heard of the Gnostic Gospels, like the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Thomas, and the like. I mean, every Christmas and Easter, National Geographic and Discovery churn out these 
these documentaries you know, touting the supposed new discoveries that have been found in, in these Gospels. Okay, those, these are Gnostic Gospels. They were written over 200 years after the, the, the Gospels that we have, and they certainly weren't written by Judas and Mary and, and, and Thomas. They, they're pseudonyms, and they are qualitatively different to our Gospels, and they present a, a something another faith. It's another religion. And amongst their belief is, is a fervent, um, uh, how do you say it? Well, they, they write against, they're non-Trinitarian. Okay, they don't believe Jesus was Lord. They believe he, he was um, uh, a God. He was divine, but that divinity is, is, is the secret that we all share you know, our salvation is the realization that we too are divine like Jesus. We've just got to come to that awakening. So it's basically Oprahism, you know, realize the divine spark within you. Okay, Gnosticism is a heresy that every generation, it, it's recycled. It's been doing that since, since uh, <laughs> even before uh, the, the time of Christ. Yeah, and a way which Gnosticism has been recycled in the more recent past is through um, Christian theological liberalism. In the 19th century, yeah, the German theologians, people such as von Harnack, uh, Schleiermacher, Hegel, um, these, we may think you know, this is sort of irrelevant to our faith, but can't underestimate the influence German liberalism has had on modern-day Protestantism. Okay, you look at a lot of mainline Protestant denominations today. Okay, think of uh, the Anglican Church, think of the Methodist Church, uh, the Lutheran Church, mainline Presbyterian Church. Uh, I'm sure that, that, you know, there's certainly true believers in those churches, but as denominations, almost wholesale these guys have departed from the ecumenical faith, the orthodox faith. And that, the seeds for that lie in a large part German liberalism, which um, in you know, one of its things is it, it dismisses all the supernatural. Okay, it, dismisses, it, it boils everything back down to rationalism. And because the Trinity can't be comprehended in the rational mind, it's seen as... Um, as a construct, so the, the the liberals don't like the the Trinity either. So, do these guys have any merit? Is there merit to the argument that the doctrine of the Trinity was just a you know third century add-on to the Orthodox faith? Okay, well, no. <laughs> okay, certainly not, because if we look at the evidence, and firstly, the evidence that we have is the New Testament. Well, from the early church in the book of Acts to the, all the New Testament letters, and they were written, remember, before all of them, without exception, the, we, before 100 AD, as some guys even say even 80 AD, there, we have the, the canon already. Before the end of the first century, the whole of the New Testament was written, and there's clear Trinitarian theology 
throughout the New Testament. It doesn't take a rocket science to see this. Yeah, the earliest Christians worshipped one God. Yeah, there's no doubt about this. They worshipped one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was the worship of the Trinity that, was the, that has always been the distinguishing feature of the apostolic and orthodox faith from its inception. And it's this that set Christianity apart from Judaism. Remember, that's why right even in the book of Acts, you see it, the Christians were kicked out of the temple. Okay, initially they, they were worshiping, Christian worship began in the temple. But when the Jews realized exactly the nature of what we believe, they expelled us. Because, primarily because of uh, the fact that we were worshiping Jesus as God, as the Lord. Okay, it also set us apart from the various Gnostic sects. That's why when people bring up things like the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Mary, well, as supposed alternative Gospels that should be added to the canon, we'll say absolutely not. They were not Christian in the first place. They, they went out of us because they were not of us in the beginning. They're, they're talking about something else. It's not Christianity. Again, I think, okay, well, that's the Bible. Certainly, we can see there's evidence of Trinitarian worship. But what about sources outside of the Bible? Early sources. Well, absolutely. Hey, anyone heard of a document called the Didache? Okay, it's on a, it's public, it's in the public forum. You can you know, download a PDF version of it on, on Google. It's very short. It's the earliest um, uh, church handbook that we have. It's fascinating to read it. And it was probably written at the, the late part of the end of the first century. So that, that's early. And we see clear Trinitarian doctrine taught in the Didache. Okay, the, the other big argument that, that we have for, for the Trinity in, in the early church is well, the teachings of the church fathers. Anybody read any of the church fathers here, whether it's Augustine or Irenaeus or Tertullian? Yeah, I'd encourage you to do so. Okay, they, they can be incredibly edifying. And a lot of what the church fathers Okay, these guys were, were writing from the, the second century to the fifth century, so over quite a long period of time. Um, but a lot of what they were writing about was the Trinity, because this was the, one of the main issues in the early church. How do, they, how, how do we make sense of this? And so if you want to read some, some early Trinitarian theology, Look no further than guys like Irenaeus. I mean, he was around from 130 to 202. Okay, Tertullian was the church father who coined the term the Trinity. And yes, of course, it's not in the term the Trinity is obviously not in the Bible. But it doesn't mean the, the, the concept of it is not there. It's derived from Scripture. But it's just a, a term that we, that's recognizing, describing something that, that, is, that is in the, the pages of scripture. Okay, Athanasius in two, from two, was around from 293 to 373. Okay, Augustine, probably the best known 
a church father, he, he writes, um, he's got a book on, on the Trinity. Okay, that, that is worth a read. And that's also public domain. Go and download it on, on Google. It's fascinating stuff. Hey, Gregory of Nyssa, Gregory, Gregory of Nazianzus, Basil of Caesarea, they all wrote extensively on the Trinity and they helped shape um, Orthodox understanding of the Trinity. So they've been learned theologians, men of God who have wrestled and chiseled out this doctrine from the earliest of times. It wasn't that they invented it. It was that they recognized the teaching in Scripture and they helped refine how we understand the, um, the, the, the Trinity. So any questions so far? D-I-D, D-I-D-A-C-H-E. Yes, yeah. Yes, Gary. Yeah, um, I think what's helpful, uh, you referred to chapter 2, Westminster Confession, Article 3. Yeah. Um, the version I have on my phone gives me the scriptural references. I get it. Um, and it's, it's always uh, an education to look at how the two are connected. Correct. And so therefore, on, on that comment, in the unity of, of the Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the scriptural references are 1 John 5, 7, that's the King James conundrum. Yeah. And then, most importantly, Matthew 3, 16 and 17, and Matthew 28, 19. Yeah, it's clear. And Matthew 3, 16 to 17 is when Jesus was baptized. Yeah. And so very clearly you see within Scripture uh, the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit yeah. at Jesus' baptism. Absolutely. Another comment I would make is that uh, the historic church and historic Protestantism uh, we're based upon the Bible, its creeds, and its councils. And so in this respect, I think it's very helpful for us to look at the council, should we say, of Chalcedon, yeah. 51, as establishing very firmly mm. the doctrinal statement with regards to uh, the Holy Trinity, yeah. or the Council of Nicaea. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to get to all yeah. Uh, these are very important, and the moment you diverge from them is when you go into heresy. Indeed. Whether the heresy of liberalism, yeah. where liberalism is not Christianity, yeah. or you go into the heresy of um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. No, no, thanks, Gary. Um, absolutely. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to um, look at. Uh, well, next week, uh, we're not going to have a class next week because we're meeting at 8 a.m., Reminder, Janica. <laughs> um, so the 10th of December, we'll, we'll look at some of the early heresies um, of regarding the Trinity and see how these heresies are typically recycled generation after generation. So you will recognize them. 
Uh, you may not recognize the names, uh, but you recognize them. And then we will build up a biblical case of the Trinity. What does the, how do we get to this teaching of the Trinity from the scriptures? And we'll certainly spend a bit of time looking at the Nicene Creed, because that's pretty fundamental in all this. All right, let's then uh, pause here. And we will pick up in, in two weeks' time. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for how you have revealed yourself to us in the Scriptures as, as, one, as a one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that... Um, because you chose us, Father, before the, the foundation of the world and sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and, and your spirit to, to apply that um, salvation to us, Lord, that you have reconciled us to you and that we can call you our Abba Father and we can know without, um, with certainty that indeed you will raise us on the last day, that we will dwell with you as your people in your presence with you for all eternity, worshiping you, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.